Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask now that you would help us to serve you, to worship you this morning in the songs that we sing. We just ask for your grace to understand your word, Lord, the simplicity and clarity to preach. And Lord, that the Holy Spirit would minister that word to each heart here. Lord, that we would leave this place better able to serve you through this coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, so we'll have you all dismissed at this time. How many of you kids enjoyed all of that singing this morning? I mean, I sure enjoyed listening to them up here. Take your Bibles, if you wouldn't. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. This seems... uh, uh, a strange calendar this year. The first Sunday in December is the 5th, and then uh, the next Sunday, of course, would be the 13th, and or fourth, whatever it is, the 5th plus 7 is 12, and then we get right into Christmas Sunday uh, very quickly this year, it seems. But uh, I want us to, to look at some of the more interesting characters I have preached on these two before. Uh, I don't know necessarily in the same sermon, but they usually get put together. And we're just going to start reading in Luke chapter 2 and verse uh, 22. It says, And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou Thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. She was a widow, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Now, we read this story about these two people, Anna and Simeon, and really the Bible does not give us much information. Uh, Some of you may remember the service, uh, this would have been, oh my, almost ten years ago, I think now, when we had Brother Pat Cassidy with us on Christmas Sunday, and he actually drew a picture of Simeon with chalk while, while I preached on Simeon. That was a... Uh, a very special service, and Brother Pat's now a missionary in Malawi, Africa, and uh, doing a great job over there, and uh, we we miss him, but we're glad he is where the Lord wants him to be. 
But we don't know much about these two people. We, we do know that they had quite a bit in common. Number one, they were in the temple. Uh, they were there a lot of times. And you have to understand, the temple uh, was not like our, our churches. When the priest um, worked in the temple, when they served their course in the temple, they had to live in the temple complex. They were not allowed to leave um, uh, the temple while they had the consecrating oil and the priestly garments on them. Um, there, there was a place for them to stay there in the temple complex. And also the other priests that were coming on when they finished their course, uh, there was a place uh, uh, for them to stay as well. And apparently Anna, uh, this this lady who was quite aged, it said she departed not from the temple. Now, in the old days of the tabernacle, as they were uh, wandering in the wilderness, it, it was not a big deal. The tabernacle itself was a tent, and to put up a little tent in the corner of the of the yard there for the priest to, to live in, no big deal. But, I mean, this was the temple. And this was a huge place. Uh, we read in the book of Acts that there were 5,000 men in Solomon's porch who got saved in one service. Now, that doesn't mean everyone who was in Solomon's porch got saved. Uh, it just means Solomon's porch was a big place. And it was just one of the porches of the temple. This was a, a huge complex. And, and these two people were there. They were there all the time. Simeon, if we read in verse 26, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He was one of those men that God had spoken to and just just a side note, I feel like I need to say this every time we touch on, on something like this. Uh, you say, why doesn't the Holy Ghost speak to me like he did to Simeon here? Well, we'll touch on this in the sermon later, but it's all written down. He doesn't need to say anything to you because it's already all been said. Simeon did not have the Bible that he could hold in his hand. The temple was where they kept the scrolls. But Simeon... Uh, who stayed there in the temple complex would not have access to those scrolls like you and I do to our Bibles. Uh, he would not be able to just pour over the scrolls at will and read them. Uh, they were uh, kept locked up and, and, and guarded by the priest. I mean, he may have access to certain portions, but it, it was a completely different world than what you and I understand today. And God revealed to Simeon that he was not going to die before he had seen the Christ. Now, the word Christ is a Greek word, Christos. It means the anointed one. The Hebrew word is Messiah, the anointed one. And by the way, Jesus is not the only person who claims to be the anointed one. Study the Eastern religions. They're all full of, uh, of, of people who they claim to be the anointed one. And many other religions claim, uh, uh, and we believe falsely so, that God anointed Joseph Smith to, to found the Mormon religion and and uh, Muhammad and Islam and all of these things. And we believe that God has given us His Word. And that's it. You don't need anything. You turn on television, you find somebody on there saying, God gave me a revelation. Turn it off. Because the only revelation that God has given you and I today is what has already been written down in this book. And so Simeon was waiting. Guess who else was waiting? Anna was waiting. They were both looking for the coming of the Messiah. That was the next 
thing in God's prophetic time clock. There had not been a prophet since Malachi. Malachi had died over 400 years before this time period. They had the what we call the Old Testament, the Jewish Scriptures were there. And now it just seemed like God put the world on hold. I want you to think about 400 years. 2014? 1614. Is my math right? Yeah. It would be six years before the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock. Just a few years after the Jamestown colony had been established. I mean, there was nothing where we are right now except maybe a few Indians that wandered around over here on this island. Uh, There weren't many people. There was nothing going on here 400 years ago. A lot changes in time. 400 years previous, the Jewish people were free. Then the Greeks had moved in and taken over, uh, culminating in the wicked uh, um, Antiochus Epiphanes who had taken a pig into the temple in Jerusalem and poured its blood out on the golden altar, desecrating the temple. He was a wicked, evil man. The Bible tells us that he is a type or a picture of the Antichrist who will put himself and worship himself above all else. And the Jews were able to drive him out, Antiochus Epiphanes out, and have a little bit of freedom, and then Rome had come in. Now, Rome had promised freedom from the Greeks. And they lined the main highway that went from Damascus down through Samaria right to Jerusalem. They had lined that highway with a cross, and every cross had a Jew nailed to it. That was the world that Simeon and Anna lived in. They were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. You know what the other thing they had in common was? They were old. Now, old is a relative term. Somebody said, old is in your mind. And there is some truth to that, but we find out that Anna had been married for seven years. Her husband died And for 84 years after that, she had been living in the temple complex, fasting and praying to God. I would say 91 years plus your wedding date would qualify you for being old in anybody's book. Amen? And uh, the the, uh, inclination, we don't have an exact age for either one of these people, but that Simeon was waiting out his days... And that he would see the Lord's Christ and then he would pass off from this scene. They both had the Holy Ghost on them. Anna was a prophetess. Not in the same sense that Malachi was. She was not giving scripture and, and, and things like this. But And Simeon. It tells us in verse 25, the last phrase there, the Holy Ghost was upon him. They had to live pure and clean and dedicated lives. They were being faithful to God in a time of slavery and oppression, a time of spiritual darkness, a time when no one had the truth. And all of a sudden on this day, According to the book of Leviticus, you waited eight days for the circumcision of the child, which, and then another 33 days for the purification, the, the healing of the mother, that she would come and offer a sacrifice. And then life would return to normal for them. And so they were there standing in line with at least hundreds, if not thousands of other people who were Uh, From the area, Jewish people coming in, bringing their sacrifices and worshiping God in the temple. And I, I want you to think about this. 
at exactly the right place. Temple was a big place, remember. 5,000 people, 5,000 men on Solomon's porch. Uh, That didn't count the other people who were worshiping in the temple. I mean, this was a huge place. And, And these two people come to the exact place. And by the way, Jesus wasn't the only baby in line that day as they were offering their sacrifices in a normal situation. We don't know how many children there would be, but the line would start at sunrise and it would close at sunset. I mean, there would be sacrifices being offered all day. And these priests had incredible ability to move people through the line on Passover. They would sacrifice over 100,000 lambs in one day. And so the enormity of the crowd, and here is Simeon and Anna. Uh, There's no evidence. There's no inference in the text. There's nothing in in our story today as it's related to us that uh, Simeon and Anna knew each other and had interaction with each other. Uh, They were basically serving God as as best they knew how. And at the exact right time, at the exact right place, they were where they were supposed to be. It tells us that the Holy Spirit brought Simeon into the temple. He came by the Spirit into the temple. And and I just love the picture of this old man walking up to Mary and Joseph as they're waiting in line. Uh, It says they were offering their sacrifice of two young pigeons or two turtle doves. So apparently they had uh, some kind of little uh, cage or holder of those animals. And they're just standing in line with everyone else and probably just being quiet and thinking. And all of a sudden this old man comes walking over and reaches and scoops the baby up out of her arms and begins to say all of these things. Can you paint that picture in your mind? I don't know about you, but I'd be a little nervous about somebody that I never knew before coming and grabbing one of my little kids out of my wife's arms. But I would imagine there's just something about Simeon that put her at total rest now, don't you think? And then he began to speak. It says, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Now, who is he talking about here? He's talking about a little baby. He's holding in his arms. He says, now I can die in peace. Because I've seen the salvation of the Lord. And he goes on. He says, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles in the glory of thy people Israel. Now, do you get that there? Where was this going on? This was going on in the temple. Do you know what the penalty for If you and I were alive in this day, if we stepped on the threshold of the temple, how many of you read in the book of Acts? The apostle Paul was there in the temple. He was being purified. He was following the traditions and and the customs of the law uh, to prove to the Jewish people there in Jerusalem that Paul wasn't against the law, and he certainly was not. But they accused him of having brought a Greek who wasn't even a Greek. Uh, He was from uh, Ephesus uh, into the temple and the gates were shut. The whole city went on an uproar and they would have beaten Paul to death had not the Roman soldiers come and rescued him. That was the kind of hysteria that was connected. And part of that was reactionary because... People had done, Gentiles had done some pretty, uh, some unbelievably cruel and terrible things in the temple. They had desecrated the temple. They had murdered the priest in there at one time. The Romans did. I mean, it was, it was just a terrible thing. And here is this old man in the temple 
holding a baby, saying, I've seen thy salvation. And the first thing he said about him was, he's a light unto the Gentiles. You see, it was always God's plan to save the world. And he said, the glory of thy people Israel. And I don't care what history book you read. There was no greater born of Israel than Jesus the Christ. You can talk about Abraham all you want. You can talk about anyone you want to talk about. But he is unarguably, unquestionably, undeniably, unless you want to be dishonest, there is no greater Jewish man ever born than Jesus Christ. There's a reason for that. Amen? And he makes an interesting statement here as Simeon then turns to look at Joseph and Mary. He blesses them and he said, The child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And that was Simeon prophesying and giving truth to the fact that many in Israel would believe on him and many in Israel would reject him as their Messiah. And he said, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And isn't it amazing that people have taken the simple person of Mary, the tool that God used to bring Jesus into this world, and have made a God out of her. The Mary of the Bible was completely done away with so that this quote-unquote, mother of God, could be substituted and worshipped and prayed to. But you know something? Simeon was prophesying here and giving the truth. When you refuse to worship God's Christ, you'll worship anything. You'll worship something else. Because God made man to worship. We've got people that bow themselves down to their checkbook, to their uh, stock uh, account, to the, to the boss at work so that they can get up a little higher on that corporate ladder. We have people that bow down before the movie camera. They'll sell their soul just so people will look at them and think that they're wonderful to look at. Which isn't hard with Photoshop and, and, and makeup, you know. It make anybody look good. The uh, simple truth of the matter is, man was born to worship. And if you refuse to worship the truth, you'll worship something false. And Simeon prophesied of all of this right here in these few moments in the temple. And you know something? It's amazing that what was going on in the temple didn't stop. Had nothing, no one took any notice as Simeon uttered these words. And no sooner had he said that the thoughts and hearts, the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed that Anna shows up. If she were married when she was 18, let's say, 18 and 91, what does that give us? 108, 109, 109, I'm sorry. I mean, if you're doing anything at 109, you're doing good. And she walks in at that instant and it tells us that she departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And what does she do? She gives thanks to the Lord. And as a prophetess, she goes around and tells everyone in the temple that looks for redemption in Jerusalem that he's come. And you know what? Not one priest, not one Pharisee, not one scribe, not one religious leader took 
one bit of notice of what went on in the temple that day. But Luke records this story, and we, we, you know, some may wonder, says, how in the world did, did Luke come upon this information? Well, it tells us that Luke talked to everybody. He was the historian. He, he had researched these things. And the Holy Spirit gave him understanding as well. But he didn't need uh, direct revelation or special revelation to write these things down because there were people that saw this thing happen. There were people that knew the story that Luke could have talked to 40, 50 years later and got this information. You see, God preserved it for us miraculously so we could have it. But we see some things about these two people. One is we see their dedication to God. Amen. Their desire to serve the Lord. And you know, most of what they did... They did by themselves. You ever thought about that? She was serving God in fastings and prayers night and day. You know, she wasn't like the Pharisees that smeared ashes on her head and went wailing around. Oh, I'm fasting. I mean, that's what the Pharisees did because they wanted everybody to know what was going on. But at 109 years old, if you're walking... You're doing something, right? I mean, nobody was paying attention to Anna. And Simeon would have been treated like that crazy old man. Wandering around the temple, looking. Is it today? He's just waiting for He's waiting for the Messiah to come. You just have to pardon that old crazy man. He... He really doesn't understand what life's all about. Uh, But did he? You see, God accepted their holiness and their dedication. And I want you to understand something. They weren't the only righteous people in the temple. They weren't the only righteous people in Israel. But they were the only two that God brought into the temple that day. They were the, none of the shepherds, as far as we know, were there. Where were they? They were busy keeping the sheep. But God had taken these two people. And you say, why did God choose to bless them in such a special way? Well, maybe it was because they chose to bless God. With their lives and their desire to serve Him. And God said, Listen, I'm going to do something special in turn for you. You know, God does that. Read the letters to the churches. One of the promises is He's going to give the believers a, a, a stone with a name written on it that only He and that person knows. Now, I often identify myself as Italian. My last name, my grandfather immigrated from Italy. I just found out that my last name is actually Spanish. And uh, that it was three or four generations ago, he went from there to there to there and ended up in Italy. But one of the things that I've adopted is in, in an Italian family, if you don't have three names, you're just not part of the family. I mean, you have your real name that's on your birth certificate. That doesn't get used very often unless you're in real trouble. And then you have the name that they call you every day. And then they have at least one nickname that they call you when they want to have affection for you. And uh, uh, Jesus said to the churches, he said, I'm going to give you a name that's only between you and me. That's not a bad thing. That's something special, isn't it? And God took that special love and showed it to these two people and put 
their stories in the Bible connected. 41 days removed from the birth of Jesus Christ. And I would like us to take some time and think about the story of Simeon and Anna today. Because there's some things that we could learn from them, is there not? You see, we had so much more than they did. We have the complete revelation of God. And you know, if you're here today and you don't have a Bible, we have lots of them in the bookstore. And if you came up to me and said, Preacher, I'd like a Bible, but I can't really afford one, we'll give you one. We, We want you to have God's Word. And I don't know how many times I've said it, and I hope you never get tired of hearing it, that... This book called the Bible is meant for you to read it and go home and check the things that are said here from the pulpit and make sure that what I preach comes from this book because each one of us are individually responsible to God for what we do with what is written down in this book. And if you never read it, how in the world are you going to know what's in it? That's why we encourage you to read your Bible. To pay attention to the words. You say, but the Bible is so confusing. Listen, as you're reading the Bible, just have a little sheet of notebook paper there. Write it down. Write your questions down. We used to do this on Sunday nights. We'll do it again if we have enough questions. If, if, if all of a sudden 10 or 20 questions show up on my desk, we'll put the things out and we'll just start on Sunday nights answering questions again, maybe once a month or something like that. Have no problem. We want to answer your questions because questions have answers. Now, sometimes I have to simply say, you know what? God didn't tell us. There's no way you can know. But... That's a question that doesn't change the way you live. If you've got a question about how to live, this book has the answers. Has all of them. Anna never held the scrolls in her hands. In fact, they tell us that the scrolls that would have been kept there in the temple complex, Isaiah would have taken four scrolls, four or five feet tall, weighed over a hundred pounds each. We can take the whole Bible and put it in our hand. In fact, years ago during the the Cold War, when things were closed in the Soviet Union, there was a, a fellow with a, a microfilm machine that actually shrunk the Bible down to the size of a postage stamp and printed it on a hard microfilm and and, uh, and, uh, sent hundreds of thousands of them into the former Soviet Union. And all you needed was a a hundred power microscope and you could read the Bible off of this little postage stamp. It's amazing. And uh, several years ago, somebody else put a computer program. It was called a, it was a calendar. And what it would do, it would you put the program on your computer, and you could actually enter dates and times. And then after so many days, it was programmed. All of a sudden, a screen would pop up and say, uh, "You have received a Bible publishing program in your language." And there would be the whole Bible right there. Uh, one of our missionaries was giving them out in, in China, and actually the when they found out it was free, a whole mob came to the station, and, and they called out the communist soldiers to stand there and regulate so people would get one at a time, and they were handing out Bible publishing programs. You know, there's things that we can do today that are so beyond the wildest dreams of Simeon and Anna. And yet they were something, they were something that you and I struggle with every day. They were faithful. 
They were faithful. They lived in a dark, dark day of oppression. They did not have personal freedoms like you and I have today. They could not just get on their animals and travel anywhere. They would be stopped by Roman guards and have to pay tolls on all the roads. And those tolls and taxes that were paid were not, uh, I mean, they were not even nice by our standards of highway robbery uh, called the Port Authority. But, uh, I mean, it's just absolutely insane, the things, the freedoms. And, by the way, where would you go if you were a Jewish person? What would you do to support yourself at 109 years old? We have all of God's revelation. And if I were to ask a question, how many of us broke God's laws? How many of us sinned this past week? Every hand would go up. Simeon and Anna, their lives were a lot different than ours. And God chose to do something very special with them. There's nothing in this text that would say that Simeon and Anna had fellowship one with each other or encouraged each other or even knew that each other existed other than a a passing in the temple as they were occupied with their devotions to God. But we have this thing called the local church where we can join together and fellowship together and encourage one another in service for the Lord. You say, being a Bible-believing Christian today is so strange from normal society. Well, come to church. There's a lot of other weird people here too, amen? And we're all trying to do the same thing. That's why we're assembled together here today. Is because we want to honor God and His Word. That's something Simeon and Anna did not have. And yet they were faithful. Why, why can't we be faithful? We have an understanding of things in the Bible that Simeon and Anna could not possibly have had. They knew that Messiah was coming because that was very plain. From Genesis chapter 3, there would be the seed of the woman that would crush the serpent's head and and different passages talking about the king coming. And, and of course, in the Jewish mind, the tradition had all been built up around what we call the second coming of Christ, where he sets up his kingdom and rules and reigns, and they were in expectation of the Romans being driven out when Messiah came, in so much so that they could not fathom Isaiah's prophecy referring to the Messiah that he would be bruised, that he would be put to shame for us, that he would bear our iniquities before a holy God, that it would please God to bruise him. They, they could not comprehend that. In fact, both Anna and Simeon were dead. If we understand this properly, long before the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, I mean, 109 is miraculous. 141, uh, that's a little beyond. And so, as we look at their lives, we realize that Anna's life was fasting and prayer. I mean, she did have to eat some, or otherwise she wouldn't be there. We're not talking about total abstinence from food, but she eating was not part of her, was not one of her chief joys of life. Prayer was her chief joy of life. She lived a very quiet and very separated life. I mean, uh, you you can't really pray when you have all kinds of people around you fellowshipping and having a good time. Prayer is between you and God. Uh, Simeon was waiting for the to see the salvation of the Lord, to see the Messiah. 
And when he was told by the Holy Spirit that this little baby was his Messiah, he believed God. You know what their life consisted of as far as you and I would be concerned? A lot of nothing. A lot of quiet time. A lot of time when you weren't doing anything but just communing with God. I want to challenge you that we have so much more direction for our lives than Anna and Simeon had. There is so much more that we can do with our lives in service to God, in worship to God, in obedience to God than Anna and Simeon could even contemplate doing. If they were going to serve God and wait, they they knew one thing. They needed to be there at that temple and they needed to just wait on the Lord. And that's what they spent. Anna had been waiting for 84 years. Now you stop and think about that's a long time. And we find it difficult to do the least little thing for our Lord. You know, we we need to learn something from those lives. You know, I can't look into the heart of each one here, and I'm glad. But I, I, I want to challenge you. If you're not saved today, nothing of what I said can possibly apply to your life. In Colossians chapter 1, it says, If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Now, when people read those verses, it says, If ye continue in... Uh, does that mean I can fall away? Well, what it means is you can be close enough to taste it, but not close enough to have it. There are those people that are like that. The Bible talks about those that believe, but not to the saving of the soul. It talks about those that uh, are going to say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and done many wonderful works? The, the Bible says if you're really saved, what happens? God keeps you really saved. And my, challenge, my sermon this morning is not to get you to doubt your salvation, but the Bible tells us to make sure, to make your calling and election sure, to, to go back. And, and, and there are people that have many problems sometimes doubting their salvation. And, and the place to go back is to that point to where you trusted Jesus as your Savior. He said, did I do what the Scripture says? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Did I do that? And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Did you do that? The Bible says, thou shalt be saved. And by the way, if you have any question as to who you confess to, read down three verses to verse 13. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That confession is not made unto a priest or another person. That confession is made directly to God Himself. Because only Jesus died on the cross. I'm glad to tell you, no church died on the cross for your sins. Jesus did. And that if you believe in Him, He will save you. He will save you forever. You know what? That's something that Anna and Simeon didn't understand like you and I understand. Because they were still waiting for Jesus to come. They were still waiting for the sacrifices to be consummated in the sacrifice of the very Son of God. And yet, The Bible says if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
First thing you got to do if you're going to follow God's revelations, get saved. Do you know what the second thing you got to do? Just keep a short account with God. You know what? There's no way you're not going to sin after you got saved. Now, you shouldn't be out murdering people and committing adultery, but gossip and discontent and accusing God and filling our minds with dirty things of this world are no less sins. Jesus had to die on the cross for all of them. If we're going to be faithful to Him, we need to keep a short account, as they say. We need to confess our sins because He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to keep us clean. Why? So we can have fellowship with Him. Let's turn to 1 Timothy 3.15. We're almost done this morning. 1 Timothy 3.15. Simeon and Anna had none of the things that we have today. Paul was writing to Timothy to explain to him how to explain to others how that the ministry ought to be and how being a preacher ought to work. And in, in verse 15, he says, But if I tarry long, if I'm not able to come, I want you to know. He said, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. You know what? The Bible was written so we ought to know how to behave ourselves in church. How many of you enjoyed that last song that we sang when we divided it all up? Wasn't that fun? Now, don't raise your hand or not raise your hand, but how many of you were really singing the absolute best that you could sing? Don't raise your hand. How many of you think you could do a little better than you did this morning. Now, don't raise your hand. I just want you to think about that. You know, when we sing songs in this church, you're not singing them to Brother Franz. You're not singing them to me. We're singing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And a half-hearted song service borders on blasphemy to the Lord Jesus Christ. It really does. We, we need to get serious. The Bible says here, hey, you ought to know how to behave yourself in church. That's one of the reasons we have a children's church. Is so that we can train the little children how to sit still and to listen and to, and, and to do the things that they ought to. But uh, if you're over 12 years old, children's church is not for you. You're just going to have to learn on your own. Amen. And, and most of our people do a very good job. And I praise the Lord for that. But you know, you can be doing everything right on the outside and be thinking about the football game or dinner or what you're going to get for Christmas or what you're going to give for Christmas. And I never know because I can't see in your heart. That's one of the things I'm glad that I don't know. It'd probably be so discouraging you wouldn't be able to go forward. But you know what? I've got to keep my eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. So do you. So that we can work together to take advantage of all of the things that God has given us. So that our lives can be dedicated to Him just like that of Simeon and Anna. Because God wants to do special things in each of our lives. But He's not going to do it until we show some of that same spirit that Anna and Simeon had. And that's my sermon this morning. Would you ask God to give you the spirit of Simeon if you're a man? Or the spirit of Anna if you're a lady? 
and that we would truly dedicate ourselves. We have so much more to base our faith upon than they did. We have the fellowship of believers. We have so much more direction. We have so many more things that we can do. I mean, Simeon and Anna didn't understand. I've often said this. There's, you know, the, this preacher years ago came out with this, what would Jesus do thing? And you need to stop and ask yourself the question, what would Jesus do? Well, I'll tell you, there is one thing that you can do that Jesus did. He found a Baptist preacher and got baptized. Amen. Uh, that's one thing that Jesus did that you can do. And by the way, if you're looking for one, I got one that I recommend. Amen. Uh, you can get baptized right here. Uh, we love baptisms, but it's got to be the Bible way. Jesus didn't need to be saved, but you do. And once you give testimony to salvation, then you can get baptized the same way that Jesus did. And then you can walk in the fellowship of his church. And be encouraged to dedicate your life to Him. You know, the reason you work your, your job, it ought to be so that I can serve God with what He gives me. Amen? We give to missions. Why? Because we want other people to have what we have. Anna told everybody who is looking for the redemption of Israel... For redemption in Jerusalem, she told them all about the story. I've seen them. You know what? I haven't seen them with these eyes. But I've seen them through faith in this book. And he's changed my life. And everything about it. How about yours? Could we ask? Anna was 109 at least. Maybe. Somewhere, somewhere in that neighborhood. Maybe she was married when she was younger than 18. We don't know. But 109 years old. And God accepted her service that he brought her into the temple to look at the baby who would pay the price for all our sins. He took Simeon's dedication and brought him in on purpose to the very people that were holding the baby, and he held in his arms the king of the universe. The only one that ever would, will, by the way, because he's no more the babe in the manger. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But we could cast our crowns at his feet one day, if we'll be dedicated enough to earn them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask you to work in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, that we would see the spirit that Simeon and Anna had. Lord, we'd ask for just a touch of that in our lives. We'd ask for enough of it to change who we are to the point that people would see you. We ask for you to work during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. If you need to come, the altar's open. If you'd like someone to take the Bible and show you how you can know your sins are forgiven, just